quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis. True crime, mysteries, and more. Halloween's right around the corner. Joe, trick or treat, buddy. Smell my feet. (laughs) Give me something good to eat. If you don't, I don't care. I'll pull down your underwear. Oh, is that how that ends? That's how I always sang it. I don't know the other versions. What did you? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I've got tonight? What do you have? Well, let me tell a quick story. Seven days ago today, we were in this very studio. We were talking about, man, what are we going to do for Halloween? And now we're talking about, uh, we've this is our third or fourth Halloween episode that we've got coming up. What am I going to do? I don't know. And we've been talking about John Candy a lot. We have. The, the great Canadian actor from yes. Canada. And I was like, man, you know, I just, I don't know. I just want to do an episode on John Candy. To which I, Ivan exclaimed, he stood up from his chair. He pushed his microphone back and stood up from his chair and said, let's do an episode about John Candy on Halloween and call it Halloween Candy. And I said, you're brilliant. And so I did it. Thank I, you. I've spent the last few days that. doing some research and here we are. Well, it's just the guy is, I mean, before we get into it, just so likable, so funny. When we were talking about planning this episode, we were, we were reading movies off. Sam pulled movies off online and it's just like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I, for, I mean, it's just over and over again, yeah. just like masters. Yeah. I think it all started when I watched uh, Nothing But Trouble uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> and we will talk about that. Yeah. And then um, I was like, man, I just, I want to go on a John Candy binge here. And so a few Sundays ago, I watched, uh, I watched Nothing But Trouble Then I watched Armed and Dangerous. And then I watched uh, Who's Harry Crumb. I just remembered how much I loved John Candy. Yes. The likability factor, the guest spot that he got. He wasn't even paid for it in Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Yep, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn so much about Johnny Candy, boys. I can't wait. Let's Want to get into this one? No. You don't? No, because... Oh, you have something else. I have gifts I for you guys that's been itching and burning like a four-week-old case of gonorrhea, and he, I can't hardly stand it. <laughs> he tried to give me mine when he walked in, and I was like, no, we're going to wait for Ivan, and we're going to wait until we're recording. We're going to do this right. Yes, right. exactly. I'd like to backpedal. I don't know if gonorrhea even burns. Is that burn? I don't know. I don't know. Let's pretend it does. Okay. So, guys, listen. <laughs> I want to preface this gift. I didn't even know this existed until I was in a thrift store a few days ago with my wife looking around. I saw these two motherfuckers, and I was like, oh, my God. Look at these things. What are they? I had to Google to even find out what they were. In 1981, some people had the idea of producing movies on vinyl records. Okay. They were called CED video discs. The CED stands for Capacitance Electronic Disc. It only lasted for three or four years. By like 85 or so, it was moot. But you basically had... So this was pre-laser disc. Yes. Okay. Uh, Actually, I think Sony bought this technology out. It was a huge loss of money. It didn't go over. But it was basically the same uh, premise as a record player. Okay. But, But these records... I think they have, they're vinyl, but they have like a metal inlay over them. I don't know. I don't know all the technology. 
but they produced an actual audio and video. You just had to have the special player. It was super expensive. It's amazing. I've never, never heard anything about these. This is what they look like. Oh, I've seen those before. I didn't know what they were. I bought you the Poseidon Adventure. Oh, right. Oh, wow. And I bought Sam Chuck Norris. Good guys Whoa. wear black. Dude, these are awesome. That's amazing. Now you can look here. Well, one of you hand me one of those. Okay. And I will show you what the actual, because you can do this. This is what you're supposed to do. There's a little tab on each end that you pop out like this. Okay. And I'll show you what this looks like. It looks totally badass. This is what the record looks like. Whoa. Look at that. Let's see the weird wow, grooves. yeah. But anyway, that's it's it, like man. a super shiny yeah, vinyl. Yes. But that's it. That's what I've been dying to give you guys. That's awesome. For days oh, now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so, yeah, this technology was only around for like from like 81 to 84 or 5 or something like that. That was it. I, I will also say, I don't know about you, but anytime the Poseidon Adventure comes on, yes. if I see it you on TV, it. Yes. I'm watching that yeah. thing, man. Yeah, it's great. Gene Hackman. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. Or how are you saying There's it? Yeah. so many. There's so many. Yeah. It's great. Such a great movie. And that one, I haven't seen that Chuck Norris movie, but it just looks awesome. Oh, yeah. And the this cover. cover. The cover is incredible. <laughs> Chuck Norris has got like aviator glasses yeah. on. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. This will, <laughs> this will definitely go on the wall somewhere. Yeah, dude. Uh, is it, so Roddy, is that Roddy McDowell? Is that is that his name? I think it's Roddy. I don't think it's Rodney. From uh, Planet of the Apes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man. <laughs> oh, I guess I could read the back. <laughs> Roddy McDowell. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I've Gene Heckman. Dying to give you those. Red Buttons. Oh, I forgot Who's about Gene. Red Buttons? Oh, Red Buttons was in, uh, they shoot horses, don't they? Oh, okay. We just talked about oh, that yeah. movie a few weeks ago. That's right. Wow. Carol Lindley. Now, Gene Hackman's like the reverend or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen the original one. There's like five paragraphs. I feel like I could just read and not even have to watch the movie. <laughs> There's like five paragraphs of text There's, on the back. Is there that much on your Chuck Norris one, Sam? That much information on the back? I mean, there's a lot of real estate there. No, not really. Uh, there's a few. It's there's got a few. lot less. There's probably a lot less to talk about in a, in a Chuck Norris action movie from the early 70s. But yeah, it's uh, they lost $580 million wow. on this technology because it didn't go over. And then immediately after this was the, the, the compact disc or whatever, DVD, whatever you want to call it, laser disc. It's probably laser disc and then DVD. Yeah. So a vinyl doesn't do this rainbow thing, right? No, I don't okay, think that's so. yeah. It's got like a metal something over it or something. I don't. I can't. I read about the technology, but I'm not. That's really cool. To... Don't scratch it. You won't be able to play it. <laughs> yeah, on that player that probably doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. That's really amazing. Anyway, there you guys go, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's Thank awesome. You, Joe. And I love you guys so much. There was only two, and I bought them, and I gave them to you guys. I thanks a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, no problem. So you guys want to get into, uh, now that the formalities are over, you want to get into our Halloween candy episode? Let's get it. All right. Now, I, d I don't need to introduce John Candy, I don't think, to anybody out there unless you're like 12 years old or younger, I would think. You should Google it if you don't know. Please do. And the number one, I'll just say this. If you had to relate one movie to a younger person that you'd be like, you'll know John Candy from this. To me, it would probably be Home Alone. Yeah. I'm going to say. What do you think? Man. Uncle Buck. Yeah. 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 But how many... Yeah. Mm. Everyone think, watches Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. I think my kids have seen Uncle Buck because of me. Right. But... Sure. I think most of the generation isn't going to know Uncle Buck. I think most of them are going to know Home Alone just yeah. because it plays every... Every Christmas. Christmas time on some, you know, channel at some point. Yeah. He's the lovable big guy with the traveling polka band. Yep. 
And that's then the easiest way down to- from that uncle buck and then great outdoors. Probably. I mean, those, those are probably the, the big hitters I would imagine. Now, if I were to tell my daughter, Hey, we did an episode on John Candy. The way to relay that to her would be because uh, me spaceballs is one of my oh, favorite. Oh yeah, for sure. I would just say barf from spaceballs, and she'd be yeah. like, "Oh yeah, that guy." Yeah, <laughs> but he's been in everything. He was yes. in every. He was in forty. If what I read was correct, he we're skipping ahead a little bit, but he died on his forty third birthday filming his forty third movie. Wow, it, it's crazy. Not his forty third birthday. He died at forty three years old filming his forty third movie. Okay, sorry, well, that's still, very important. Though, still, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not his birthday, sorry. Yeah. It's weird that I'm older than him. That's crazy. It's weird to think about stuff like that sometimes. Isn't that weird? It is that he was only 43, yeah. Well, then, hell, you think about, like, Farley and Belushi. Yeah. They were 33. Yeah. Yeah. 33 when they died. So that's just nuts. Yeah. All right. So let's do this, guys. John Candy was born on Halloween night, October 31st, 1950. Insane. That's, it is. That we... Wanted to do this, and then you found out later. Didn't you text it later? Yeah, I did. did. Yeah, and it was like, what? None of us had a clue when no. he was born. So we previously had the idea to do the John Candy episode on Halloween and call Halloween Candy, and then, by God, I looked it up on Google, and he was born on Halloween night. Well, that's why I had that idea, because I knew that. <laughs> but Sam, awesome. edit it to where it makes me sound like I knew that. <laughs> but, yeah, he was born October 31st, that night, 1950, in Newmarket, Ontario, and that's just outside of Toronto, Canada. John's dad was a salesman named Sidney. His mother's name was Evangeline, and he had an older brother named Jim. When John was just four years old, his father, Sidney, who himself was 35 at the time, died of heart disease. Mm. With the family patriarch gone, Evangeline had to move in with her parents and sister in a small bungalow in the working-class Toronto borough of East York, Ontario. Then John enrolled in Neil McNeil High, which is a Catholic prep school. By that time, he was a towering six foot two and fairly heavy. Wow. Put it lightly. Yeah. You didn't realize he was that tall either. No. I guess I, not. I didn't. I guess I just never thought about it. Yeah, I haven't either. Well, that's the thing about meeting a celebrity, and Sam, you've met way more than I have, but like you just immediately notice that they're either taller or shorter than you think they would <laughs> yeah. be. You know, isn't that weird? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've met, of course, pretty much all the celebrities I've met are are music artists. Yeah, but yeah. except except for Billy Bob Thornton, mm-hmm. um, and he was sitting down when you. Hung and he out was he was sitting down, but I think he's pretty. I don't know. I can't really remember. I I, like, I don't think I ever saw him standing up except for on stage, and and that's hard to tell from. Oh yeah, from that view. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Speaking of height, I want people to know that. Uh, I'm not freakishly short. You Sam, said the FS word. <laughs> Sam and Ivan are like six foot three and four. Okay, so any of the pictures, like you know, with this episode, there'll be a picture of us in our Halloween costumes, and I'm a full foot shorter than you guys, or whatever. Uh, I just want people to know you guys are super, super tall. <laughs> and and if you're editing our Wikipedia page, you can put down that. Six three, six four, and five ten. Okay, there you go. By the way, speaking of uh, you like people's heights that you didn't know because I've been obsessed with Chris Farley. Did you know Chris Farley was only like five eight or five nine? He was a short guy. No, I, I mean I would. 
I would have probably guessed a little taller, but yeah, I didn't know. That. He just always seemed, maybe because he was a bigger dude, he always seemed taller well, to Yeah, me. but he also always seemed like he was kind of like squatting a yeah. little bit. Yeah. How he like walked and everything. Yeah, yeah. true. And slouched. Hard to tell how tall he really yeah. was. Yeah. He always had that like almost football stance. Yeah. Or sumo <laughs> stance or yeah. something, you know, where true. like wide-legged yeah. and kind of like, you know, down a little bit. Yep. Lordy yeah. freaking yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Like wide-shouldered and everything. The guy could move though. Oh, man. he could. Yeah. He legitimately outdanced Patrick Swayze. He did. Like for real. Yeah. Yeah, it was a funny skit, but yeah, he had more moves than him. So much he should say. have been in Dirty Dancing. It would have been a lot better. I would have liked it a lot more. You know what? I'll say it right now. Coming up soon, Chris Farley episode. Yeah. I can't shut up about him, and I apologize. This episode's about John Candy, and I know I've brought Chris Farley up in the last four episodes, but I'll stop. We're going to do a Chris Farley episode, and I'll get it all out of my system. There That's we go. Good. Speaking of John Candy, <laughs> yeah, by the time he was in high school, he was six foot two, big dude, fairly heavy. But, you know, at this point, comedy was really nowhere on his radar. Instead, John was obsessed with football. Speaking of football stands, a sport his large frame was perfect for. He excelled on the field, and it was looking like he may be able to carve out a career in football until a severe knee injury in 1967 ended any hopes of him achieving that dream. Mm. It was only then that 17-year-old John decided to take a shot at acting. Yeah. So thank, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Thank God for that knee injury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, or else we would have been like, oh yeah, number seventy two on the Chicago Bears and eighty four was John Candy. Yeah, which I could care less about. Instead, we got like <laughs> all these great movies yeah. and all this. Oh my god, it worked out, didn't it? It show did. John got into drama class and began to appear in school productions. He seemed to have a natural talent for acting, especially in comedies. Everyone just liked John. Like you said, his likability mm -hmm. was just off yeah. the charts. Yeah. He was this big, lovable teddy bear of a guy, and he just loved to have fun, and, and he loved to party. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Even in his late teens, John could outdrink college frat boys at parties, and he smoked like a freight train. <laughs> High school friends say that... I didn't even know he smoked. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know either. High school friends say that uh, even at that young age, John always commented that he felt like he was living on borrowed time. He never fully addressed his father's premature death and felt like, given his weight and genetics... He, too, had a ticking time bomb in his chest that could kill him at any time. But instead of living a cautious life, avoiding excess, John seemed to do the opposite. Yeah. After graduation, John signed on with a talent agent in Toronto and spent the next two years appearing in various TV commercials. Then John met two people that would go on to be very important in his life. First, uh, his first serious girlfriend, a 23-year-old art student named Rosemary Hober. And also a 21-year-old comedian from Ottawa named Dan Aykroyd. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was one of his early... Yeah, I was kind of wondering, even when we mentioned a couple, like, you know, Great Outdoors and Nothing But Trouble ago, how many movies they're in together, because that's two oh, yeah. right there. Wasn't there something about Ghostbusters? Yes, sir. Uh, Are you getting that? Or well, is I'll, just... I'll do it now. John Candy was originally supposed to be uh, Rick Moranis' part. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but it was... I'll get into it later, but he ended up not doing it, and it was Rick Moranis. So wow. he was almost in Ghostbusters. That's yeah. crazy. That is yeah, crazy. I didn't know that. Isn't that wild? I, he, You know, it probably would have worked either way. I, I love Rick Moranis, though. I do, too. Yeah. I mean, I totally do. But I could see John Candy doing that part, Yeah, though. I'm the key master, you the gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> 
I forgot about Stripes. Anyway, keep going. I'm just going to talk about all these movies before. Well, Rick Moranis yeah. and John Candy were in Second City together. Yeah. Um, they were in Spaceballs together. Yeah. Moranis was Lord Helmet. That's right. And yeah. So yeah, all this ties in together, man. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, by this time, Bernie Salins, maybe it was Salins, I don't remember, the founder of the legendary comedy troupe Second City was wanting to expand to Toronto. Dan Aykroyd went to audition and urged John to do the same, although at first John was too nervous. He finally went down to fill things out and ended up doing a bit as a gay boxer that floored the place. And even though they'd already filled all the spots, they offered John the gig. Right, today he'd get canceled, but then he, <laughs> he got the gig. It was now 1973. Now, this was a big year for John Candy. He was shuffled off to Chicago for an apprenticeship for the Second City gig but returned to Toronto in December of 1973 to join the Second City cast. He also made his first appearance in a feature film called Class of 44, although it was uncredited. He also guest starred on several episodes of a Canadian kids' TV show called Cucumber. Hmm. No clue about that, do you? No? Nobody? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Back at Second City, John was performing with other future stars like the aforementioned Dan Aykroyd, also, and you guys will know these, Gilda Radner, oh, yeah. Bill Murray, yeah. and Eugene Levy. Okay. Two years later, Radner and Aykroyd left Toronto and headed up new to New York to join the cast of a groundbreaking live comedy show called Saturday Night Live. Okay, I was going to guess that. Yeah. Although John was passed up for SNL, 1975 was still a good year because he was given his first supporting role in the Canadian comedy film It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. Sam, have you seen that one? Mm -mm. Yeah. He also scored various appearances on Canadian, Canadian TV shows like Police Surgeon. <laughs> what? Police Surgeon. That's funny. It's, the name's funny. He's like, it's, it switches to him. He's like, I need backup and a scalpel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He was also on the ABC Afternoon Play Break. No idea what that was. Another show called Coming Up Rosie, and he co-starred alongside Rick Moranis in a show called 90 Minutes Live. No, no, no any of those. Nah, I mean, it's all Canada. Who gives a shit? I was just no, a was little tight, too, though. <laughs> well, wait, what year is this? Uh, this was in mid-75. Okay, I was just said zero years old. <laughs> negative two. I was negative two then. Negative two. And I was negative five. Sam was negative, uh, what are you, like 24? Something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. You're 40. You're 40. Into the late 70s, work steadily increased for John. Second City had created SCTV in 1976, mainly to give their actors TV screen time so that Saturday Night Live would stop stealing their cast members. Do you remember that? You were shaking oh, your head. I, I, I've heard about some stuff like that. I know that SNL also stole National Lampoon people. Yep. Writers and the people that were doing National Lampoon Radio. Okay. Which Belushi was big on that. And so was Gilda. Okay. So, yeah. SNL notoriously, I guess, stole is kind of a heavy word when it's like... Recruited? Recruited. I know. Like, I mean, yeah, but that's what happens. I mean, you get someone, you know, they, they get some confidence, they, they get some a following, and then you hire them for SNL. I mean, that's silly. Why wouldn't you? Why, yeah. Yeah. Because we know Aykroyd and Gilda Radner went, and then we also know Bill Murray obviously went sure. to Saturday Night Live, and then yeah. several others. Yeah. 
Yeah, John Candy never did though. I he hosted a few times, mm-hmm. but he never was a regular cast member. Yeah. Uh, John became a fan favorite on SCTV with spot-on impressions of guys like Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, and Jackie Gleason. Uh, I, I would love to see that. I'm see sure that. that's on YouTube. It is. Yeah, I don't. I've never really seen him do impressions. Yeah. So that would be neat to yeah. see. I oh, I didn't look it up, but I watched uh, part of a documentary on John, and it had little clips of him doing this. Oh, okay. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet. Well, he also created a slew of recurring characters of his own, like Dr. Tongue and Johnny Slew. So, jo- speaking of smoking, Johnny Slew was this character John Candy made up that was this kind of, his hair was slicked back, and he was, I think he was sort of like a movie star, 50s type guy, mm-hmm. but he chain smoked in every skit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like every Johnny Slew skit, he's like, between each line. And stuff, okay. And his hair is all greased back. Along with John's continuing performances at Second City, he continued to appear in several films, namely the big-budget Steven Spielberg comedy 1941, in which yeah. John appeared with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi yeah, in 1979. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that makes sense why he didn't get on SNL, because normally, I mean, back in those days, SNL people weren't getting movies. Usually, you got movies, and then SNL, your SNL stuff was over because you were like, you didn't need them anymore. That's true. So perhaps he never did really need SNL. No, and you know, in the in the documentary that I watched, you know, they were uh, interviewing friends and people that were on Second City with him, and everyone always said John hit success before anybody else. Okay, he was doing movies. They were saying he had more money, he had a bigger apartment, he had more success. He wasn't like big headed. He was always the sweetest guy. We'll get into that. Sure, but but he he out of that whole Second City crew in Toronto, he pretty much landed first on everything. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in SNL wasn't. As big as it got later, probably then. So, yeah, they didn't need it. Makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Well, also that year, this would be 79, after six years of dating, John and Rosemary, remember her? Mm-hmm. Got married at St. Basil's Church in Toronto. But the 80s were undoubtedly the biggest decade for the career of John Candy. And he started out with a role alongside Dan Aykroyd in Blues Brothers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He also hosted a short-lived show on NBC called Roadshow that same year. And in 1981, he appeared with Bill Murray in the hit comedy Stripes, which we just talked about. Yeah. As well as, and I didn't realize this, doing voice work for the animated film Heavy Metal. Yep, I knew Hmm. that. I didn't. He does a few of the voices, but I think he's the cop at the desk in the taxi driver part towards the beginning of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think I'm pretty sure that's who he is in the movie. <laughs> that's oh, cool. It's a great movie. So let's let's <laughs> back up. A long time. There's a lot to unpack there. Yes. First off, the road show on NBC. Mm-hmm. It was almost like well, Anthony Bourdain was more like food, but it was a travel show where I think he went to like Miami Beach or something, and he went to. It wasn't on for a long time, but it was just like a TV crew going with John Candy to these different locations. Wow, and that's talking like- to people. Way early for and this those wasn't things. yeah, this was an eighty one yeah, so this was like so uh, yeah, very ahead of its time, yeah, yeah, because now that's like one thousand shows <laughs> <laughs> it really is, and most of them are on t l c It's just cool to think that John Candy yeah, was doing this man. I know that's crazy in eighty one it's like people weren't they weren't ready for it yet, I guess not, um okay, now the kids stripes. Are love it stripes. Okay. By the way, good Michael J. Fox reference. Uh, 
<laughs> I thought that'd be another one that slipped in. No, hell no. I, I catch those. I love stripes. Yeah, so uh, that's another one. I'll go ahead and say this. As far as a lot of the discussion on John's movies, I've got a few that are like my favorites. Like I already said, Spaceballs is one of them. Sure. But so many of these, I realized when I was doing the research, I've seen most of them, mm-hmm. but not in the last 15 or 20 years. I watched Stripes just like two or three years ago, I think. You did? And it's, it holds up. It's still good. It's very much the Ramus and Murray, oh, like how they were in Ghostbusters. It's very similar to that in a way. Yeah. And Bill Murray was basically playing the same character, which is okay. I'm, I'm not, that's not criticism. You know, yeah, Bill. Bill was the same character in every movie. <laughs> Just like yeah, I think so. trying to get the girl and being like a smart ass. And yeah, like when they're in the recruitment office signing, <laughs> and Harold Ramis is signing, and Bill Murray's like, bum bum bum, bum 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 bum. You know, just yeah, it's but it's great. There's a joke where they go in to get their haircuts. Do you remember that? It was kind of a bit. I remember the scene, and all these other guys just got their hair buzzed. And he just told the guy a little off the top, and he did it. And and it was like, what? How'd you get that? How'd you not get all your... Yeah. I, I don't know. It was just kind of funny. I remember that. It's just kind of his attitude. Like, it's like what? I just told him. I didn't want the military haircut, and he didn't do it. I don't, <laughs> it's just pretty funny. I also remember the scene where they're out, uh, when the razzle-dazzle. Oh, okay. When they're they're supposed to come out and do all their routine or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Not military guys. Yeah. But yeah, it's so off the wall and goofy and Bill Murray's leading them in it. Yeah. And it's like not even regulation at all. But when they're done, the corporal or whoever it is up there is like, God damn it, son, you've got guts. <laughs> I love it. And everyone's like, what? The? Oh, yeah. John yeah. from Night Court. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lyric Quet. Quet. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. was. He plays such a good role in that Yeah, film. yeah. Yeah, he does. He does for sure. <laughs> Great film. Oh, also, in 1983, John made a cameo appearance. We all know this. National at, Lampoon's? Yep. As security guard Russ Lasky in National Lampoon's That's vacation. right. It wasn't very long, was it? Just at the end. Just at the yeah. very end. Yeah, Chevy Chase holds him at gunpoint. So realizes sorry, it's folks. a BB gun. Parks closed. Moose out front should have told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he nailed the line. Yep. That's not a real gun. This is. The Magnum P.I. <laughs> and, and then they argue. If it's a BB hurt, gun. Yeah. Then they argue like if if it would hurt them. You, you remember how, how did that part go? The I BB forgot. part? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It'll, it'll break the skin. Yeah. It'll break yeah. the skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, they like shot him in the butt when he went to get out of the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's such a great movie, man. Speaking of Chevy Chase, another historically known as a nice guy, right? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's let's keep moving on. I, so, just as aside <laughs> from that, uh, Bill Maher has a new kind of like I want to say podcast. Maybe it's a podcast. Yeah. I what's the name of it? Anyway, he just sits across the interview. Yeah, guy. I've seen a few of them. He just had Chevy Chase on there. Oh, he did. Yeah, and of course, Chevy Chase is almost eighty now. Yeah. He's still kind of sharp, and he was still really funny. But I've read so many articles, and so, and we're going to talk about it in this episode. Yeah. Chevy Chase must have been, like, back in the 80s, a monumental prick. Well. Of epic proportions. I know that to make Caddyshack, they talked about how much cocaine was used. <laughs> and And somebody said, I read one time that 
it fried everything, including the plot or something <laughs> like that. It was just like, there's not really a, if you really think about Caddyshack, it's just kind of like, you couldn't do the whole like rising action, falling action. The studio wanted the groundhog or whatever it was. Right. Whatever. Yeah. And they didn't want it. The guys, that, the Lampoon's guys, they didn't want it. Anyway, uh, it's just crazy. So I don't, I don't know if the Coke made them that way <laughs> because he heavily, heavily used. I mean, based on what I've read. I, mean, if, I can say this. Even in his Saturday Night Live days, which was mid, early to mid-70s, he was an ass. Mm-hmm. And I just know that because he was making fun of Bill Murray on set one time telling Bill Murray, your face looks like something the moon rover should have landed on or something. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It was so... I, I love Chevy Chase too. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's in oh, yeah, so many sure. of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you think about it. I don't think like most of his characters had that kind of like chip on they the did. shoulder. Yeah, even in Nothing But Trouble. Oh yeah, yeah. Like in that one. Yeah, that's even true. Clark Griswold had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Sure. And you Merry know, Christmas. So, kiss my ass. Yeah, kiss his ass. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> so that yeah, that I, I think I think it doesn't go too far from what he you know it's yeah. it's probably there. Yeah. It has to be there already. And hey, why do you have to be a kiss up and just be nice to everyone? I mean, it's it's not required. You can be your own person and just do what you want. True. It doesn't matter. While we're on Chevy Chase real quick, the other day I did catch most of Three Amigos. And oh, oh my gosh, man. man. That is such a great movie. So Steve good. Martin, yep. Chevy Chase, Martin Short. Yep. Yeah. Just so y'all know. Yeah. So Amazing. Good, man. Yeah. I love that movie. It, it's, I do too. it is so good. I need to rewatch it now, but yeah, that's an amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah. I even have it. So many great lines in that movie. Have you seen that special on Netflix yet? Steve Martin and, and Martin Short? Yes. Yeah, it's it's good. It's, it's incredible. Good. They do like a, almost like a comedy special, but it's, oh, okay. they've got some bits and it's, it's really good. Man, Only Murders in the Building yes. is such a good show. And it just it proves is. even now. I they they are one of the best like Steve Martin and Martin Short are one of the best comedic duos of all time. Yeah, I mean Father of the Bride, they're both in that one. <laughs> you know, it's like it's yes. just like you think back at all the all the things they're in together. Yes, they're probably the best since Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Well, I would say that the beginning of that special, they just they roast each other for like the first ten minutes. Oh yeah, and it's so good. Yeah, you gotta watch it, Sam. It's good. <laughs> Even if you just watch that part, it's so good. And that also shows you how much of a phenomenal banjo player Steve Martin. Oh my god, is. he's oh, amazing! My goodness, freaking crazy! Yeah, he is. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah. All right. As the eighties wore on, John Candy's fame continued to grow with a lead role in the film Going Berserk. Have I seen that? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think I have either and several hosting spots on Saturday Night Live, like I mentioned a little bit ago. But what is generally considered John's breakout role was when he co-starred in the 1984 hit Splash. <laughs> I forgot. He yeah. played Tom Hanks' brother. Remember that? That's I right. forgot. Yeah. I forgot, too, till I read this. He plays, like, the sleazy, womanizing brother of, the, of Tom The mirrors on his shoes? Yes. <laughs> That's John Candy, man. I forgot. Granted, I've only seen that a few times. It's a great movie, though. Yes. We need to see if that one holds up. And this the same, like, I've seen these, uh, a lot, most of these, I was like, I mean, this one, Splash, I was probably like 10 when I saw that yeah. last, last time. So I also, can't. Also, Daryl Hannah, right? Oh. Yeah. If, I, if, yeah, if memory serves, yeah. <laughs> like, she was. Yes. Remember when she, you could see her legs and stuff? Uh, it's like, when you're a kid, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. If she's a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. 
And remember when you could see her fish fish yeah. tail? <laughs> so hot. If she was a constellation, she'd be baby of Majora. All right. Sorry. I don't even know if that was the right quote, but anyway. Here's a fun fact, by the way. <laughs> and we just talked about this earlier, but I have more deets. In the first Ghostbusters movie, it was John Candy who was initially going to play the role of Louis Tully, but he and director Ivan Reitman could not agree on how to play the character, so the role ultimately went to Rick Moranis. Oh, okay. And I don't mean they didn't, like, fight over it. I think they mutually... John couldn't get a feeling for it, and he eventually was just like, yeah, I just don't... I don't have a handle on this. Yeah. And so it was kind of, like, agreed by all parties to go, like, well, okay, we'll mm. give it to Yeah. Him. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, as John's success was growing, so too were his appetites. Second City cast members usually went out and partied after each show, and John would out-drink, out-eat, and out-smoke everyone else. He even became a regular user of cocaine at certain points in his life. John seemed to still suspect he was living on borrowed time, and he had decided to make the most of whatever he had left. In fact, I swear to God, his story, and I hate to bring up Chris Farley's again, but they're so interchangeable. Wow. It's so crazy. I'm talking about with the weight, with the substance abuse and being on Saturday Night Live and living too fast and cast members being like, hey, slow down, man. You're not invincible. It's like almost interchangeable. That's crazy. It is. So, in fact, production, this is talking about his propensity for drugs at times. Production of Splash was once held up because John had ran into Jack Nicholson the previous day and had partied with him all night and never even went to sleep. So he like shows up late Still drunk the next day, and who directed Splash? Ron Howard. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yes, yep. and I saw an interview with Ron Howard where he was like, "John came in late, like I'm so sorry, guys," and he was explaining like, "Oh, I bumped into Nicholson, and we kind of went bar hopping. When did you get to bed, man? Bed? I haven't <laughs> been yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah, there's that." But John was well aware of his vices and how dangerous they were, particularly his eating. He had never, ever wanted to be simply seen as the fat guy and had battled with his weight all his life. In 1984, he checked into a weight loss center in Santa Monica but found it difficult to adhere to the strict diet. That was also the year his uh, first child was born, a girl named Jennifer. And the following year, he landed a huge part in the hit comedy Summer Rental directed by Carl Reiner. Did you guys see that? I kind of remember some of it. Um, just, it was on cable or something. Well, this was followed by a short stall in John's career as his next four films bombed at the box office. Okay. But a couple of these, I think, maybe have had a resurgence. Follow the Bird. Never heard of it. No. Volunteers. I think he was also with Tom Hanks in that one, I think. Okay. The next one, Armed and Dangerous. Man, I love that movie. <laughs> See, but it it flopped when it came out. Yeah, I like I told you guys, that one was one that was like it came on TV and I recorded it onto a VHS. Uh, okay. And then I wore that thing out. <laughs> and it's uh him, Eugene Levy, yep. Meg Ryan. The only part of that movie that I remember, isn't it where him Eugene Levy and John Candy are trying to get away and they run into like a strip club. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's not a strip club. It's like an adult store. Yes. And then they change. And I remember yep. John Candy comes walking out in drag. Yep. Oh, yeah. And Eugene Levy has like assless chaps yes, on. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and that's how they get away. I remember, <laughs> I remember that. Yep. And if we want to, if I, so if I want to go ahead and mention this now, I don't know if you have anything in your notes about it. 
But so, like I said, I watched Nothing But Trouble, Armed and Dangerous, and Who's Harry Crumb back to back to back. Okay. In one setting. So in Nothing But Trouble, he is himself and he's his twin sister. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll, we'll okay. talk about that. So in Armed and Dangerous, the scene that you said happens, so he dresses in drag. Right, right. And who's Harry Crumb? Oh, At yeah. the very end of the movie, he gets a call and, and it's a new case and he's like, oh, this one's, he says something about it. He goes into like a closet, comes back out and he's in drag again. So I was like, is this like a John Candy bit that I'm just now realizing? <laughs> he might have done it at Second City. Maybe. It might be a, one of his so, funny, like, funny yeah, things. I was like, this yeah. is very recurring. Yeah. So I don't know how often it actually happened. I know it didn't happen in Uncle Buck or in Great Outdoors. You know, there's a there's some of those that I, I'm for sure know that. But maybe right. earlier on, it was a thing, you know? Like, yeah. So. The other box office flop that I have a feeling that you Little guys love. Shop of Horrors? No. Brewster's Millions. Oh. Oh. Richard Pryor. Okay. Huh. That was funny. That was a flop. It, I always thought that was a really good movie. That's what I read, that it was a flop initially. You know? So you get all the money if you can spend all the money. If you spend so much, you get more. Was that, that it? Work? I can't remember, dude. That's another one that's been freaking 15 years since I watched yeah. it. Like if you could spend a million dollars in 24 hours, you get a million dollars or something. I forgot how it worked. Well, if, from what you just said, Sam, the next line reads, his career recovered slightly with roles in Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, my personal favorite, Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. Ivan must spend $30 million in 30 days in order to inherit $300 million. Oh, uh, okay. By the way, I just wanted to say how much I f***ing love Spaceballs. It's good. That's my, like, feel-good movie. I can watch that anytime. I've got it on DVD. You think you like it more because it's spoofing Star Wars and you're kind of a Star Trekky, you're a Trek guy? That's probably part of it, but I just love it. Well, it's no, just got... it is good. It is good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, because I like it, too. So clever, man. Mel Brooks is great. Yeah. Everything Mel Brooks. Everything Mel Brooks. Um, I like how it's Force, but it's Schwartz. Yes. May the Schwartz be with you. Yeah, that's just kind of a funny play on words. When my 16-year-old was like three and could barely talk, she was quoting, she, Yahoy to me. My name's Yoga. (laughs) She was quoting Spaceballs. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite scenes out of that whole thing is Comb the Desert. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You found anything? Oh, yeah. Man, we ain't found shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the, they all have combs, but they have a yeah, pick. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. It's some great prop comedy right there. Don't you think we're taking them a little too literally? And then when he's talking to him right <laughs> next, when he's talking to the guys, he's just yelling at them way out there. Yeah. And then when he's talking to him, he uses his bullhorn. Yeah, that's right. He's that's like, right. what are you talking about? And then he's I like, forgot you about find that. anything? <laughs> There's all kinds of subtle <laughs> stuff in there that's great. And again, Moranis. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Never have that thing down around me. I don't know you're not making faces under me. Anything. Yeah. <sighs> That's so good. We've been jammed. <laughs> raspberry. No one gives me the raspberry. Anyway. Who's the guy that's spoofing Han Solo? What's that guy's name? Lone Star, Bill Pullman. Yeah, Pullman. Yeah. 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 Love Pullman. Oh, sure. I love him. And then uh, Joan Rivers <laughs> is the robot. <laughs> yes. Dot, dot matrix. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Take only what you need to survive. And they have this carrying this huge thing and they pull out this giant hair dryer. Oh, it's so great. I just, it's one of my, it's one of the best movies ever. I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. 
to bring John Candy back into there it. There we go. <laughs> nice. Comes full circle. That's right. But then, John Candy got a call from the director, John Hughes, about a possible role alongside Steve Martin in his upcoming film, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Another one I forgot. I should have mentioned that one earlier. Uh, when you were talking about the movies to... I didn't realize that was a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess that's how he got... Um, Uncle Buck? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Home Alone, wasn't that? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 And him and John Candy began a friendship. That's partly why John Candy ended up doing Home Alone for free. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because him and John Hughes were like... Yeah. Yeah. John Hughes started writing movies for Candy. Oh, yeah. After that. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah, the movie opened. That's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It opened in September of 87, and that one made John Candy a household name pretty much overnight. That was huge. What about that, that scene? amazing. What about that scene? You want to hurt me? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm yeah. an easy target. Yeah. I remember being sad watching that yeah. when I was a kid. Like, I mean, stuff like that. It's good for kids to see a scene like that. Because, like, yeah, let's, let's not be mean. Let's, let's be nice to other humans and not make them feel like crap, you know? Yep. What my favorite line in that whole movie, just because I'm really immature. They're looking for something in the phone book, and John Candy says, we'd have better luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than finding that at this oh, hour. Yeah, you remember yeah, that? Yeah. I freaking died the first time I ever saw that. Such a funny line. Where's your hand? It's in between two pillows. <laughs> Those aren't pillows. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a great movie, man. I just remembered when I was a kid, I had a phobia about motels because somebody broke into their motel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I bet that happens a lot in my, my dumb kid brain. Hey, man, you saw it on a movie. Yeah. And I, and I remember being like, I'd always do that little latch thing, you know? Yep. At least where they could only open the door a little bit, yeah. I guess. I don't know why that, I thought that would help. They can only get four fingers in here. Yes. <laughs> but then the, they just have to reach up and undo it. <laughs> See, I was a dumb kid. Anyway, yeah, I, I was I was freaked out by that. I didn't like to stay in motels. And stuff. Motels are freaky anyway. Yeah. To a hotel, the hallways are on the inside. At least they got to get past the front desk. <laughs> I just have to mention this scene. Whenever John Candy's driving at night and uh, Steve Martin looks over, I think he'd been sleeping, and he uh. looks over, and there, there's a car over, like, on the other side of the median, and they're like uh, not understanding what they're saying. They're like, You're going the wrong way. Yeah, and and uh, they end up getting sandwiched between the two semis. But yes. like as that's happening, it like flashes of them, and they're like skeletons, and yeah. their hair sticking up. Yeah. Like just for that one <laughs> yeah. second, so good. But then he then he looks at him, and he's like Satan too. Yes, in that same scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's like laughing, and he's yes, that's so. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that was a funny setup because didn't his like his coat get hooked on one of the wasn't there? Oh no, that was a different scene. I don't remember. I, I think remember. John Candy was driving and his coat got hooked on one of the little uh recline yes. levers. On the seat. Yes. Okay. And then he was yep. trying to get that loose and yep. then his other one got connected or hooked. <laughs> yeah. And then he did the 360 and slid right into the it's a very much yes. a like early kind of dumb and dumber yeah. type of it is comedy, like it a is. road movie. Yeah, not both of them weren't dumb, but you know, yeah, I don't know. But that all happened while he was sleeping, like because he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's it did, it did. slides into the parking lot and then like he wakes up. Yes, after they're parked. Yes, and John Candy's all sweaty and like <laughs> short of breath. Yeah, and, and like, he's he like, "Oh, good, we're here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
Yes, man. They don't make them like no, they used don't. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> well, on the heels of the massive success of planes, trains, and automobiles, John rejoined his old buddy, Dan Aykroyd, for his next film, The Great Outdoors. Oh, man. Go ahead. Those oh were back gosh. to back. That's <laughs> yeah. so good, babe. Man, I, I, I watched, watched those movies back to yeah, back when I, I was, watched when I was a kid. I watched that movie a ton. Also. Oh, yes. I had it on VHS. It didn't do well either. But the, oh, man, I don't understand Initially that. at the box office. Oh, uh, it had to have taken off on VHS. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was after the, yeah. It was mainly just at box office. It like an well. Austin Powers effect, like later on. Yeah. Yeah. And then becomes a cult classic. There's so much good stuff in there. No kidding. Like, where do you even want to start with yeah, that? Yeah, I don't movie, even know, you know where to start. The killer bear, the, uh, the guy. Bear. There's bear. Big bear. bear. Big bear. Big bear. <laughs> Big bear chase me. <laughs> the old 96er. The yeah. snake. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the bat got in the house. The guy that gets struck by lightning. And then, 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 Who was that guy, do you guys think? I don't. I know I've seen him in other stuff. I don't stuff, remember. It's been too long for me. Yeah. You guys have seen it more recently than me. I'm, I can't believe I remembered the bear part. So the lamp was the gun, right? Yeah. And it's still fired. Yeah, it's still fired <laughs> at the end of the movie. Uh, also, so I guess another one of the big scenes of that movie was uh, John Candy skiing behind the boat. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Bastard. Bastard. What's He's he saying? Faster. <laughs> he wants to go faster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, speaking of like we're talking about Chevy being smug, Dan Aykroyd played a nice smug guy. Oh yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, yeah. He I like him, Tommy Boy. Job. Oh yeah, when he was the competitor, yeah. company owner, Zelensky. Yeah, actually, you know what? He ended up. It's funny. So like in Tommy Boy, we're back to Farley, but we're on Aykroyd. He's like a villain, but he's really not. Like later on, you figure out he's not the villain. The the brother is really. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But it's kind of funny. He ends up being a nice guy, and you think that the whole time it's like, you know, Zelensky's the, the antagonist in this. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. You've identified the problem. Step two is washing it off. <laughs> when they'll have you on the pine tree air front, whatever he says, the pine tree cologne there, didn't you, buddy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Joey, stay on John Candy. I just keep bringing up uh, Chris Farley. Well, stuff. that was that. We we're talking about Ackroyd. Okay, that. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, okay, this one also. After The Great Outdoors, this is where I'm saying, this is where John Candy's just like, banger, banger, banger. Because it was planes, trains, and automobiles, then The Great Outdoors, and then he teamed up with John Hughes again, and Uncle Buck was right after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so and this is where we first see little Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, man. Uncle Buck. He was great in that movie. Yes. yes, he was. I mean, that team of John Candy, Macaulay Culkin, it was fantastic. Yeah. And then that showcase the like, Mother daughter void, and mm -hmm. you know, that was really cool. And I mean, yeah, Candy had some like serious acting chops in that oh, yeah. because I mean, in those other movies as well. So it's just wasn't common. And the dynamic between him and the older daughter, you know, sure. Uh, yeah. And then, and they, and then even hit the little girl in that movie, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it was great. Was it Uncle Buck where? They're standing outside and they're in the car making out and Macaulay Culkin's like, that's not safe to do during yes. flu season. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think okay. that's where they got the idea. I think, wasn't that in the movies that made us where John Hughes was like, I from that, so. he was like, yeah, yeah. We wanted to write a movie around Culkin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is that where Home Alone came from? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Speaking of Home Alone. We're going there now? <laughs> yeah, we are. 
while filming Uncle Buck, John was asked by John Hughes to make a cameo appearance in another film he was producing called Home Alone. Also with co-star Macaulay Culkin, John agreed and even turned down any payment, like I said earlier, insisting on doing the role for free as a favor to John Hughes. Can we look up something really sure. fast? Yeah, look at that, man. What won Best Picture of the Year, Home Alone, or like, you know, it didn't It didn't win something, and I remember my sister and I, we were complaining about it. Of course, I was a kid. Well, maybe not a young... What year was that? 91? Yeah. So, like, you know, the whole comedy snub where comedies can't win big awards for whatever reason. I just think it's kind of like, okay, some serious movie can bring home all the accolades or whatever. But you got a movie that's sad and, you know, touches your heart, but it's also funny, too. I mean, mm -hmm. like... Shouldn't that mean more than just a serious I think movie so. that makes you cry the whole yeah. time? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's weird that because something's funny, someone's going to turn their nose up at it. I don't know. I think I get more out of a movie like, man, like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles or any of those where there is so much, there's a lot of comedy. I feel more connected to those Yeah, me too. roles than I do like just a serious movie that like, you know, that wins all those awards or something. Yeah. And I like, you do feel more, I, I guess, because we connect to it better, maybe. Yeah, I think so. But a, a guy that can make you laugh and then, like you said, can turn around and pull on your heartstrings. I don't understand why those don't. Yeah. I, but of course, it's all, it's all the industry. You know, it's like, it's not, they're not winning awards based off of guys like us or what we feel. Yeah, uh, that's true. People. It's all that's industry true. stuff. You could so. have the best comedy in the world, but the best picture would go to the King's Speech or something. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, it's not just about the comedy. It's about everything in the movie. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the old saying. Comedy is only tragedy viewed from afar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it was, you brought, speaking of Farley, people are going to want to kill me, but you said in Tommy Boy that when they're out on the boat, yeah. you yeah. actually almost get teared up when Farley's talking about his dad, you know? Well, to me, it reminds me, Again, back to the, you know, you want to hurt me scene. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very serious. And, you know, the music's behind it. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, th I think the reason why I, th I think it's more deserving, just because it has the extremes, you know, you're mm -hmm. laughing one minute, crying the next, obviously. I mean, to just kind of re to recap that thing Sam and I both said. Yeah. Well, speak look, uh, speaking of the same year, 1991, this was uh, John Candy made more movies in '91 than any any other year, and this was some of the other movies he appeared in. I can't even remember which party was in. I don't know if it was major, but it was. It is not a comedy. The Oliver Stone movie JFK. Oh yeah, John Candy I don't is in. Know that. If I ever watched it, I watched it, but I can't remember where Maybe John I Candy did. Is. Kevin Costner. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, remember also only the lonely. Yes, mm -hmm. he's in that. Yep. Yeah. Delirious, yeah, obviously, yeah. And then let's talk about this. In 1991, John Candy was also in the weirdest goddamn movie <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Did you watch it recently? <gasps> I yeah. watched it last week. <laughs> Nothing but trouble. Yeah, I gave what you that. What the homework. hell? I gave you that homework. It, yeah, that's what started this whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's from the mind of Dan Aykroyd. It has to be, right? Oh, no. I watched a documentary on it after I watched the movie. It was written, produced, directed, everything Aykroyd. Yes. They could okay. not find a director. So last minute, he was already starring in it, already written it, already produced it. Aykroyd was like, well, I'll just direct it, too. So it's he did write Dan, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all Dan Aykroyd. Every bit of it. Dude, I, it's... <laughs> It's classic. If man. you want to feel yeah. like you're on acid without being on acid, 
watch nothing but trouble. It's crazy. It's totally surprised me. We were talking about it last week where the, the people, the teenagers were like shredded up and it shot their bones out into a big pile of other bones. Yeah. It's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Meets the Goonies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not joking. It's got, talk about the cast. Demi Moore, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase. Yeah. You would think, I'm about to watch the greatest comedy ever made. And then when the movie's done, you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> hey, Tupac's in that movie. He is. For, oh, yeah. For a is. hot minute. Yep. For a hot minute. Yep. And Humpty. Yep. That's who gets arrested. And then and then the judge is just like, ah, you're free to go. Yeah, because he liked their music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What who would have thought? What was the name of that town? Like Vander, uh, some weird, crazy... Van Valken v. Yeah, Bergen. something like that. That's what I was, what's what I was saying. Like, the budget for that thing had to be astronomical. Unless they found, like, a junkyard to film it in. They didn't. What? They built it all. They built the building. They bought... Uh, there, was a, a, there was a theme park shutting down somewhere nearby, and they bought that roller coaster for, like, 10 grand and rebuilt it in wow. the house. They bought all that. They went to... They bought, I can't remember what city they filmed it in, but that pile of toasters, they bought every toaster within 20 miles. Wow. And just piled them there. for. Yes, it's crazy. Oh, my they goodness. They spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on that movie. And it was a bust, wasn't it? It was a massive, massive flop. Huge. I'm so shocked. It's crazy. <laughs> no. It's you just know too unique. I mean, I it love was, it. But, yeah. But it's just too unique for the average Joe. <laughs> it really was. Sorry, Joe. Because I am quite average. You're not the average. You do know Ackroyd was one of the uh, the twin, the babies. fat twins. Yeah. yeah, he was Bobo. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about those yeah. babies. Those big. Th- what the hell was that? <laughs> that was just freaking. What the hell? They were it just smelters. kept getting weirder and weirder as it went on, didn't it? So basically, look. Here's the thing. It's like Chevy Chase and Demi Moore. Uh, yeah. For for whatever reason, they just meet, and she's like, "Drive me to Atlantic That's City," right. and yes. he's like, "Sure." Well, that does make sense because she's freaking hot as hell. Yeah. And the most fun I had during the movie was just staring at her ass in that white romper. That made the movie for me. So I did sit through the whole movie. Sorry. But so, yeah, she's like, like, drive me across. And she's like, or Chevy Chase says, sure, which could happen because if a girl that looks like that asks a guy, that's probably going to happen. But then there's like the two other, like Tyler Negron Mm -hmm. and that other lady that Mm -hmm. are just going to ride with him for no reason. Yeah. What else is that guy in? Uh, He's just one of those guys is like, okay, yeah, I saw him in a lot of 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah, he had guest spots on Friends. I know that because of my wife. So, he yeah. was the bad guy in the last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis. Oh, yes, he was. Yeah, that's and that, right. I just watched that today. <laughs> that's right. Is that not crazy? I caught it. That is crazy. On TV today. So they're driving, they're <laughs> driving to Atlantic City, and then uh John Candy pulls out behind John Candy's a cop. He runs a stop sign yes. or something. And so yeah, for reasons exactly what happened. for reasons I'll never understand, because Chevy Chase was just talking about how that BMW has never been out of the city. It only has like very few miles on it. It's his baby. But now that John Candy's behind him, all of a sudden, one of the people in the back is like, you should try to outrun him. Yeah. And, he's, and he's like, sure. And so he's just driving, yeah. ramping shit, going down dirt roads all of a sudden. Doesn't make any sense. And then John Candy finally catches up with him and they drive him in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of this junkyard to who you find out is Dan Aykroyd. Well, he diverts him because of in his yes. in his patrol car, he has all the the switches and controls to like 
close off the road <laughs> and make, yeah, him, and turn. make him turn and, and lower a bridge and raise a bridge and do all the things. Yep. And know? it turns out once they get to this place, what they find out is everybody that pretty much everybody that goes there just gets murdered. Yes. They find yeah. all these skulls. And that's where it just kind of gets a little Goonies where this house just has all these trap doors. And oh, by the way, speaking of Chevy Chase being an asshole back then, on the documentary, they said that literally like day four of the movie, Chevy Chase was just like openly like, this movie's shit and I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and they're like, you're contractually obligated to finish this movie. And he's like, okay, but I'm not going to try and I'm going to make everyone's life hell. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not joking. So he was just. He was yelling at uh, Dan Aykroyd at one point, like about his artistic direction, and you're so stupid, and this is a piece of shit movie, and I wish I wasn't. Oh, it was bad, dudes. It was from what I read and, and saw in that documentary. Chevy, wow. he just checked out midway through and was just like, "Screw all you all, I'm phoning it in, and I don't want to be here." <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Is that crazy? It's not surprising, but but yeah, it's crazy. And I'm pretty sure Chevy got paid more than anyone else there, even Aykroyd. Really? And he was telling everyone that, like, yeah, we can't believe I'm getting paid all this money to yeah. act with you pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you would just think you'd just have fun. I mean, you're making a ton of money. Right. Just to, to just play pretendy pretend. Yeah. You're just pretending. Yeah. Come on. You you have, like, the best job in the world. You just make believe, and you get paid millions of dollars for it. But I guess probably he knew that it was probably going to bomb. He probably smart enough to look around and yeah. say, this can't be a hit. He's looking at those two giant, naked, fat, greasy, oily babies in the junkyard. And he's like, yeah, this, I don't want to, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, anyway. And they were talking about all the money they spent. You remember when they sat down at the dinner table and that train brings yes. around? <laughs> Last minute, they were like, we want a motorized train that brings by the condiments. <laughs> and so they had to go spend like four grand building that mechanical table and getting the train. Wow. And... It like shot all of them things that <laughs> yeah, happened yeah. too. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I, that is crazy. I ran it about that enough. Oh, you're good. No, that's okay. Yeah, go watch it, people. <laughs> Yeah, tell me what you think. It's on HBO right now. It yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. Well, John Candy, he made a lot of money. And what will all those... Oh, by the way, we do need to say, I do need to say, not just because we're doing an episode on him, but honest to God, my favorite part of Nothing But Trouble of other than Demi Moore's posterior and that white romper was John Candy. Yeah. yeah. As, yeah. The, as the cop. He was my favorite yeah. part. It was almost like he was obligated to do the things he was doing in that movie just to talk about his character for a minute. Mm -hmm. But he grew a conscience or he had a conscience yeah, in that yeah, movie yeah. because he let the the foreigners, they escaped. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and then he caught them, but then he let them go. Yeah. But then you find out he like, they just paid him to come with him. So like afterwards. on that beach at the yeah. end. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he was also his twin sister. <laughs> that was in love with Chevy Chase. Mm. Never said anything <laughs> <No>. though. <laughs> and then they had the, some split screen stuff. He was in yeah. the same. Yep. Yeah. And she was super strong. Yeah. <laughs> and then the very end of the movie, the very end of the movie, Chevy Chase, you know, they think they've gotten away. Yep. And because for some reason they built their junkyard on a coal fire right. pit. And it all just just like it all just falls in. And then it shows him on TV where Dan Aykroyd turns around and he's like, we're coming to stay with you. And then lawyer Chevy Chase jumps up and there's like a card. Yes. It's like a cut out of his body in the wall. Yeah. Like a cartoon. He yeah, basically like, goofied. 
Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Also, one more thing. <laughs> Sorry. How do they? How weird... do they escape on a train to some big city and then get taken back with the cops from that city? And all the cops know the judge, and it's basically a ruse on. Yeah. Chevy Chase and Demi Moore. Because Demi Moore and Chevy Chase, the, the cop is like, oh. you want to go back and identify him? Yeah. So they all show up, all these SWAT team cars, cop cars, and then the Dan Aykroyd comes out and he's like, oh. All like, as a, uh, like just a lowly oh, old man. There's, yeah. a, there's a bee's nest behind you. What? And then hey, they turn up, Judge. Yeah. Yeah. All in unison. Nothing. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I love Dan Aykroyd, but it doesn't make sense. But aren't we glad there's some movies out there that are out there? You <laughs> yes. know? Yeah. I think Just what we did out. learn out, out of that movie, that BMW, all the stuff that it had actually existed at yeah. that time. Yeah. Like navigation and GPS. And did you say like, and like not touch screen, but like. There control. were buttons and extra. Yeah. Kind of looked like Knight Rider on the inside a little yeah, bit. Like yeah. Like that was real. Well, because that was 91 and I sent you guys. If, if we have any car buffs out there, there's a really good YouTube channel called Doug DeMuro. Oh, yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He just reviews cars. Yeah. Any and all cars. And he reviews a 1988 Buick Riata. And that Buick Riata has a touchscreen, fully functional uh, diagnostic center thingy in it. And it also has, like you said, navigation. 1988. So that's because that's yeah. when, when you said, I don't even know if they had that back then. And I was like, <laughs> actually. That's crazy. They did, Sam. <laughs> Just a few people did, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how it worked. I don't know, man. So, yeah, John had made a lot of money at this point. And with all those six-figure paychecks, even from just the most recent five films he'd been in, he was about to spend a lot more. We've already mentioned John's love for football, but being a Canadian, he also had a love of hockey. Mm. Oh, I thought you were going to say maple syrup. And bacon. <laughs> John had been friends with L.A. Kings hockey team owner Bruce McNall and famed hockey player Wayne Gretzky since the late 80s. And in late 1990, the three of them went from being friends to business partners. McNall had worked out a deal to purchase the Toronto Argonauts, a failing team in the Canadian Football League. Yes, the CFL, not the NFL. Okay. For seven million bucks. That's what they were going to buy the Argonauts for. So, you know, John Candy, Wayne Gretzky, they go in with them. McNall pitches in $5 million. Candy and Gretzky pitch in a million each. John set about using his fame to help bring attention to the failing franchise and help turn it around. He was at every game. He was on all the commercials, all that. The first year, the Argos had an impressive 13-5 and record, and they won the Grey Cup, which is the CFL's version of the Super Bowl. Mm. So they, they, they did it. Wow. Yeah. But despite that success... The team was hemorrhaging money, which only worsened over the next two seasons. Eventually, Bruce McNall was convicted of conspiracy and bank fraud, and John sold his stake in the team. Yeah. So he ended up losing some money there. But perhaps due to his rigorous schedule promoting the Argonauts, John only appeared in three films in 1992 and 1993. Uh, the dark comedy mystery film Once Upon a Crime. Mm, I and didn't see it. I didn't either. Did you, Sam? An uncredited part in a movie called Rookie of the Year. I don't understand how that's uncredited because he was a very big part in that movie. He was the announcer for the Cubs. Yeah. Through the whole movie. Was that what about a when a kid... The kid broke his arm. He, like, slipped on a baseball, broke his arm, and then 
after it had healed, he, he could, could throw. He could throw it like yeah. I have watched yeah, that. And he yeah. and he became the pitcher for the Cubs. Yeah. And, and they almost do that sound effect where it's like a rubber band. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Like I watched that movie so many times. I don't think I ever watched I it, kid, but man. I remember seeing that I can visualize the movie. Henry Rowan Gardner was the kid's name. Really? And and I only know that because John Candy said it so many times. Oh, okay. So that's why I don't, I don't understand how he's not credited in that movie. He's yeah. in it so much. Yeah. I don't know. wonder. That is weird. Hey, this might be bullshit, but I just read it said uncredited. Who oh, knows? you're probably right. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know how, but it is. Oh, by the way, he did another film, uh, and you guys may have heard of this. It was called Cool Runnings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was around then? Yeah. Jamaican bobsled yeah, team. Man. Yeah. Same year. Yeah. It's a good movie. Irv Blitzer, I believe, was his name in that movie. Because wow. of Because of the... Steel Trap. Well, I've seen that movie so many times, but that's another one that can just pull on the heartstrings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Disney movie. Wasn't he like a gambler or something? Yeah. yeah. Like, so he was, He's he was like an Olympian, but then, yes, uh, he... He did get in trouble. Like he got like medals removed, I think, because they found out he was gambling or yeah. something. But uh, man, there's there's a lot of great scenes in that movie. And he's yeah. catching shit for it the whole time. Yes. And he's trying to revamp yeah. this team. Yeah, the Jamaicans. It was the track team that didn't yep. make. They got disqualified well, somehow. Yes. Yeah, the ones they were trying out to be the the runners. They come up with, hey, we're gonna. Make a Jamaican bobsled. Team. So he finds the old bobsled and buys it, and yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the they, one they guy approach trips. him. They approach yeah. him uh, to be their coach. Yeah. yeah, one guy trips up all the other ones. Yeah, the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. It's it a really movie. is legitimately good movie. We wa- we watched it in school. I remember watching it in school. I just well, one scene I remember is when they fly. I don't remember where it's held, but when they fly into wherever they're going. Um, they they're walking out of the airport, and John Candy just walks immediately out into like a blizzard, and like it's nothing. And the oh, the four Jamaicans right. are like standing <laughs> inside the airport, like the uh, automatic right. door of the airport. Like we're not going out there. You know, yeah, see that, yeah, yeah. It was it's amazing. Just his like he just kind of puts his head down and go. You know, yeah. like heads on, and and they did not. I guess it's based on a true story. Yeah, like you're going to use track speed. Yeah, you know, in in that in that event in those in those events, so that's kind of a neat idea. But there's a really mean. Uh, I don't I don't remember if it was this, a paper as big as the Post or something, but they reviewed that Cool Runnings, and uh, I only know this because it was one of his famous co-stars that said this. But so John, he was really self conscious about his weight his whole life, mm-hmm. and he did try to lose weight off and on, but then he you know he would lose it and gain it right back. But the person said. I read, uh, it was one of the Jamaican guys or one of the people that played the Jamaican guys okay. was saying we read that, uh, yeah, in the up-and-coming movie jo- uh, Cool Runnings, it is not known yet whether John Candy is going to play the mountain or the bobsled. Wow. Yeah, and the guy just was just like, that's mean. You yeah. know, that's that's horrific. That's the kind of stuff that John had to hear sometimes. Yeah, I know. Just, uh, you know, how horrible was that? But Yeah. Some, some highbrow writing. Yeah. <laughs> That really brought the temperature down, didn't it? But, I mean, we say some stuff, but we don't just, I don't know. I don't feel like we do stuff like that. I don't feel like we do. I mean, we just make fun of dead people. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but I get what you're saying. It is different. And oh, by the way, to depress we you We don't guys, make fun of people we like. Right? <laughs> to depress you guys a little bit more, Cool Runnings was the last John Candy film to be released while he was alive. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. 
Yes. That's crazy. The final two projects of his life were a film called Canadian Bacon. I didn't see that. I haven't seen that no. one either. I've seen I've seen the poster so many times. I never. Yeah, did me too. It. Me too. Is he dressed as like a Mountie? Yes, yeah, I yeah. believe so. And then uh, the last one, Wagons East. Yeah. This one co-starred Richard Lewis, uh, who was fantastic in uh, Men in Tights. Speaking of Mel Brooks, well, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was a particularly stressful time for John. His flop with the Argonauts had put him a million dollars in the hole, and Wagons East was supposed to put him back in the black. But he almost instantly regretted doing the movie. He didn't love the script and was having conflicts with director Peter Markle. During the last months of his life, John was under doctor's orders to avoid alcohol and lose weight. But John was prone to anxiety and panic attacks, which he self-medicated with food and alcohol and cigarettes. Mm. This was undoubtedly occurring on the set of Wagons East and coupled with the culmination of years of abuse to his body and a weight of 300 pounds and a family history of heart disease, it was a recipe for disaster. On March 4th, 1994, John was in Durango, Mexico for the filming of Wagons East. It was hot on set and John's performance required a lot of physical activity, particularly riding on horseback and doing this one scene, everyone talked about it on set, where uh, he was like pushed or punched and he falls into a table. But they made him do it over mm. and oh, like Man. 20 times over and over and over. Richard Lewis and others on set said John gave a great performance, but they could tell he was just not quite the same old John. Uh, Richard Lewis simply just said he just looked so, so tired. After filming wrapped for the day, despite being exhausted from all the work, and this is so sweet, John volunteered to cook the cast and crew a, a large Italian dinner. Wow. So he cooked for the cast and crew. He cooked spaghetti for them that last night. Wow. During the dinner, John complained about having chest pains but he assured everyone he was fine. Afterwards, he returned to the rented apartment he'd been staying in while filming. He called his daughter, Jennifer, and son, Chris, back in California before they went to bed, talked to him for a while, told him he loved him, and then John Candy went to bed. I kind of feel like, and this is just me totally, this is totally guesswork on my part, but he always had kind of a sense of his own mortality anyway. And if he'd been having chest pains that whole evening, I just, he didn't call his kids every night hmm. from what I read. I have this just inclination. Like he kind of knew. That he called him, yeah, and told him he loved him and whatnot. I just, maybe he had a fear. But anyway, whatever it was, when John Candy went to sleep that night, he never woke up. He died hmm. of a heart attack in his sleep. But how about that? That the last thing he really did was a, an act of service to sure. yeah. the cast or, you know, the, yeah. the crew of the movie. And yeah, and he could have just paid somebody to, yeah, you know, but he wanted to do it. And he didn't feel good. Right. Like, yeah. he wasn't feeling good. He was tired and he's kind of having, like, chest hurting a little bit. But, yeah, that's what they even said was, like, despite all that, and we were all sure he was going to book it as soon as they yelled cut, you know, he stuck around and he cooked for everybody. Wow. Yeah. So news of John's death shook the world. And even though many had always feared John would die early, when it actually happened, it was still a shock. Obviously, his diet, alcohol consumption, and drug use, that contributed to his death. But he had been right to suspect that he always had a ticking time bomb in his chest, and premature death was inevitable. Not only had John's father died early of a heart attack, remember he was 35, uh, so had multiple men in his family, most of them around age 40. Hmm. 
It, it has been since determined by the doctors who have examined this case that basically no matter what he had would have done to prevent it, John's expiration date was pretty much set the day he was born. Just wow. with genetics and weight and everything. Yeah. Some, I mean, he just got handed a bad hand. Yeah. As his father and other family members before him, he was just cursed with bad genes and a very high propensity for heart disease. Tragically, those same doctors have theorized that even without this bad genetic history, John probably wouldn't have lived much longer than he did. The years of obesity and abuse to his body were too much for any heart to handle. It seems that the world was always destined to only have John Candy around for a brief time. John's funeral was held at the St. Martin's of Tours Church in Los Angeles. Among those in attendance were Jim Belushi, Bill Murray, Ali Sheedy, Annette Benning, Dan Aykroyd, Steve Martin, Brad Garrett, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene, Le- Eugene Levy, Dave Thomas, Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, Meg Ryan. There's a whole shitload of wow. them. Just every, Rick Moranis. Um, he was entombed at the mausoleum at Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City, California. And that was 93, 94? 94, 94. Yeah, huge loss. I mean, you're right, though. That 91 was quite prolific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, he did more films, and I'm double-checking this, but I think he did more films in 91 than any other movie. And this is just if this filmography that I looked at was right. You know, like the whole joke of Wagons East was that, you know, they hired John Candy to be the wagon master, mm-hmm. but come to find out he was like the wagon master for the Dahmer party. Oh, oh the Donner party. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the I Donner mean, you, this, yes. that was a true Freudian it slip. It was. Because, really? Yeah. Cannibalism at its finest. Well, yeah, I, and I've been watching. Dude. I've been watching Dahmer. Yeah, on Netflix, no, no, but that, yeah, that's, he was. That's amazing. You did that. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so, at one point later in the movie on Wagons East, they wake up and it's snowing. <laughs> it is snowing. I've outside. never seen Wagons East. Oh my gosh! Yeah, is it is it good? It's funny. I yeah, like it. I, wanna, I liked it. I want to watch it again. Yeah. I need to watch it again. I, I've watched yeah, it. I need to watch it for the first time. I, I had that one on VHS as well. I had so, I had so many John Candy movies. But yeah. But yeah, that did was... he star in it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Him okay. and Richard Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is so weird. It's like Matthew Perry and Chris Farley when they did uh, Almost Heroes. I was thinking about yes, that earlier. Exactly. It's not Wild West with them, but it was close. It was oh, like yeah. it was Lewis and Clark. Yeah, Lewis and Clark. Such a good movie. So this has been our I don't know either third or fourth annual. So much to keep up with. Who can keep up with that? Uh, Halloween episode. Our John Candy. Halloween candy episode. Ivan, thanks for the idea. It was brilliant. Yeah, thanks for all the notes. That's amazing. It was a it was a blasty blast. And uh, you guys have anything to add? Well, just uh, like you said, it was a blast just going through down memory lane, listening to, and and thinking about all those old films. Uh, they're old now, which is weird, but that's our childhood. Yeah, watching stuff definitely. like that. Yeah, it's definitely my childhood. It's a great childhood. Yeah. Thank you, John Candy. Yeah. Rest in peace. May you rest in peace, sir. Good night. Let me tell you about some fellas I know named Ivan, Sam, and Joe. They got themselves a little podcast, you know. They talk about everything under the sun that they find interesting, spooky, or fun. They sure ain't trying to impress no one. 
Remedy to too much time on your answers. Take a little listen to the dawn of Manti. We talk about killers, monsters, and cults. French mates from hell, disappeared folks. Occasionally throw in a few dad jokes. They try to make every story extra nice by adding their own ginger spice. Not one time or two, but thrice. The remedy to too much time on you answers. Take a little listen to the dawn of Manti. I'm sure these fellas will be around for quite a spell. Cause there sure ain't no shortage of stories to tell. Cause this old world's as weird as hell. But hell, even if nobody listened, you know they'd maintain a fine disposition. Cause shooting the breeze is kind of their mission. The remedy to too much time on you is take a little. To the dawn of magic. The remedy to too much time on your answers. Take a little listen to the dawn of magic.